realize that I'm in the same book that Brother Bannon was in uh, Sunday. Uh, but some of my college and career, we have uh, every once a month or so, we have uh, prayer nights that we come and just our college and career group, we come over here to the sanctuary, whether it's on a Monday night or a Thursday night or something real late at night, and we just pray. That's the whole point of us coming. We don't come to sing. We don't come to preach. We come to pray. And I, if you ask any of our group, you can, they will tell you uh, with confidence that they've watched God do things out of those prayer nights that we've had. Well, uh, the uh, last one we had, I kind of gave a little word of encouragement. And this, that was the shallow end of what we're going to have tonight. Um, but I'm thankful for the Word of God. Uh, but if you have found your place, if you're able tonight in the book of Exodus chapter number 8, if you would stand for the reverence and reading of God's Word, we're going to hit something that will uh, be a lot longer in the introduction than the actual message tonight. But I believe that if we'll listen, if we'll listen to the Word of God, uh, God will help us. If you look at Exodus chapter number 8, uh, in verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, uh, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse it, uh, refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all of thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, uh, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy, uh, on, upon thy bed, uh, and into thy house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thine uh, kneading troughs. And now, I'm going to stop right there. That's all, we're already in a miserable place right there, and having frogs in your bed having frogs in the place where you cook and your ovens. Uh, but if you look on verse number uh, 4, the Bible says, And the frogs shall come up uh, both on thee and upon thy people and upon thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, uh, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And like I said, we take our Bibles, literally, it covered the land of Egypt. Verse number 7 says, the, And the magi magicians did so with their enchantments and brought, for, brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Verse number 8 says, Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee, for thy servants and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Pharaoh, this is Pharaoh speaking, it says, And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. Verse number 11 said, And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people, and shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. 
Let's pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've allowed us to be in your house. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the opportunity that we can come in the middle of our weeks and our busy weeks through work and school and our, our busy schedules just to come settle, to sit down a while and uh, settle down in the Word of God and be fed from your uh, table tonight. Lord, I ask you to help me calm my nerves. Give me the words that you would have me to say. Speak through me. Use me as your personal microphone. Lord, help that heart that's closest to hell. Lord, I ask you to save him before it's everlasting too late. I ask you to help that one that's physically sick. Help that one that has needs. And Lord, as, uh, as we know, we're in the flesh. We all have needs. But Lord, I ask you to help in every aspect in this service tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Like I said, my introduction tonight is going to be a lot longer than the message. I've just got three quick, simple points uh, to drive home tonight. And I, uh, I know it's Wednesday night. I know that we're all tired. But I, I beg of you, if you will just give me your attention just for a few minutes, I promise God will help us. But as we look through this scripture, this is a very familiar uh, text in our Bibles. This is one of the ten plagues that God sent upon the land of Egypt uh, uh, and the, uh, the king Pharaoh at the time. And we say, oh, what, what, where did we get, how did we get to this place where God judged the land of Egypt the way he did? Well, you can look back at the book of Exodus chapter number 1, and we understand in Exodus chapter number 1, verse number 7, the Bible says, And the children of Israel were faithful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and were waxed exceeding mighty. And it says, And the land was filled with them. And if we recall, if we go back to the book of Genesis, we remember the, the character in our Bibles, the character Joseph, uh, the one who uh, was Jacob's son, uh, one of Jacob's sons, and he uh, was... Uh, the one that was given that coat of many colors. And you remember that he was sold. And he ended up at the end of his uh, life, towards the end of his life, he ended up working uh, with uh, King Pharaoh uh, by interpreting those dreams. Joseph was uh, the one who did the interpretation of those dreams uh, for King Pharaoh at that time. We understand that at one point at the end of the book of Genesis chapter, uh, the, the, the book of Genesis, we know that Joseph died. And we know that Egypt took on the, a new king and they switched roles in Egypt. And the Bible says that the new king knew not who Joseph was. They didn't know who Joseph was. They didn't know, uh, uh, the, they weren't as close to the, land, the children of God as the previous King Pharaoh was. And the Bible says that uh, because this new king came in, he, was, he had a sense, uh, uh, a little bit of pride, don't you think? He felt like he was higher and mighty than everyone else. And as we look in our scriptures, the Bible tells us, and we know the scripture well in the first couple chapters of the book of Exodus, that when Moses was born and this new king of Egypt was put in place, he was worried about the children of Israel. Like you said, in the, like I said, the Bible says in the book of uh, chapter number one, it says that the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. They were growing and they were prospering as time went on. And the, the new king of Egypt did not like that. So what did he do? He uh, got him to, uh, he got all the children of Israel and he put them to work and he put them in bondage and he told, he put midwives into place and he told these midwives that every baby that was born, the firstborn, was to be put to death. And we go on, and the, we can read on in our Bibles, and they, they was, uh, to the, the, the midwives that he had put in place were not being uh, respectful of the orders that he had put in place. So you know what he did? He told them to throw them in the river. 
And we understand that we continue on through the first couple chapters of the book of Exodus that uh, when Moses was born, we know that he was, uh, the, his daddy was one of the Levites and he was, uh, his mother hid him, the Bible says, for three months. And the Bible says that she couldn't hide him any longer, so you know what she did. She formed a basket and wove a basket and she put him in the river and hid him and put Moses' sister to be watch over Moses. And we know how this goes. Pharaoh's daughter's uh, servant found uh, Moses and they took him back and he had, was grown old in uh, Pharaoh's house. We go on through the, the story of Exodus, the few first chapters of Exodus. We go to Exodus chapter number 3, which is a very popular and very familiar text in our Bible. And this is the, the instance of the burning bush. We know that instance where Moses went to the backside of the wilderness and the backside of the desert. And he went and he came across this bush that was on fire, but it was not consumed. And we understand that that was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that the Bible says that in this chapter of Exodus chapter number 3 that the Bible says that I am that I am. Aren't you glad that we serve a Savior that He is and forever will be everything that we need? Our, last service, our, our Sunday school lesson this past Sunday we talked a little bit about discouragement. And I'm thankful that in the book of Psalms chapter number 46 the Bible says God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. I'm thankful in the very first two words of, of Psalm 46.1 it said God is. There is no ifs, ands, or but. It is just who He is. He is our refuge and our strength and that place that we can go, the wing that we can crawl under and He can protect us from the troubles of life. And I'm thankful that He is who He is. He is that I am that I am. We also find here in Exodus chapter number 3 that this is where God wanted to call, started to call Moses. We understand that uh, at this instance of the burning bush, God called unto Moses and the phrase that Moses says is, Here am I. And just a side note tonight, as a Christian, if you are truly born again, if there is something that you possess from the Holy Ghost of God, there should be something in you to want to be used of God. I'm not, the, I don't know everything. I, there's plenty of people older than I am here today. But I can tell you with confidence that I want to be used of God tonight. And we see here that Moses uh, went to God. When God called him, he said, here am I. But just like we do sometimes in our life, when God, he wanted to be used of God, and God uh, told him what he wanted to do, Moses began to make excuses of why he could not do what God wanted him to do. Does that not sound like us sometimes? We want to be used of God, but sometimes God calls us to things that may not fit exactly what we want to do. Seven times between chapter number 3 and chapter number uh, 6, I believe it is, uh, Moses made seven excuses. We know the excuse of, oh, the people won't believe me. Or the people, I am hard at speaking. And he used, God put Aaron in place to be, help interpret the things that Moses was saying. We know the excuses that Moses made uh, seven times throughout these next few chapters. Like I said, they will not believe me. And I, I understand that we are human. We live in our human flesh. But I will say this, and I, I've said it plenty of times. When God wants you to do something, if you'll just trust Him, He'll take care of you. I know all that from experience. I, I, I dove into an, a foreign waters. And I will tell you with confidence that God has taken care of me. 
because I wanted to trust God. I wanted to be used of God. And when God told me what He wanted me to do, I began to make excuses of why I could not do what God wanted me to do. We could go on in our scripture and we could find the three signs that God gave, uh, gave to Moses that he could use if the people of Israel or the people of Egypt uh, would not believe them. We understand that God gave him, uh, told him to throw your rod down and it would turn into a serpent. He also told him to stick his hand into his bosom and when he pulled it out it would be leprous and when he stuck it back in it would be healed. He also told him that he could use the sign of turning all the water in the land of Egypt into blood. Now we get to this place of these ten plagues. We know the ten plagues. Now God, number one, sent the water to blood, um, turned the water to blood. We understand there was frogs, there was lice, there was flies, cattle had diseases. God destroyed the livestock of the land. There was boils, there was hail, there was the locusts, there was darkness. And that darkness, the Bible says that they could not even see anything. It was complete darkness. And we get to the probably the most popular one, and that is the death of the firstborn by the death angel. You know that story well where the death angel that would come and go through the town, the land of Egypt and if the blood was not applied over the door, the firstborn was going to be killed. And if we look through our Bibles, you go to chapter uh, right after that, we understand this is where our Passover comes from. This is the instance in our Bibles where God says to put this into remembrance and that's where the Passover comes tonight. But I want to uh, continue on and I want to give you kind of three quick points and I want to hone on this one plague of the frogs. And I know my sister-in-law is not in here tonight and uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I, uh, I like to be outside. I love outside. I mow and I do everything that I can. And I'm not scared of frogs, but I am not picking one up. They're, they just, they're, they're nasty, they feel weird, and they're, they're, just, they're not pleasant things to be around to me. But uh, we look at this plague of the frogs, and uh, like I said, I may not be scared of them. You may not be scared of them. I know the young children, my nieces that come here sometimes, you'll go to my mom and daddy's house, and within an hour you'll have a handful of worms or crickets or frogs uh, delivered to you and say, take them home with you. Um, and by the time we get to the end of the driveway, I'll let them out because I'm not riding three and a half hours with a frog or worm in my car. But the, uh, when we look at this scripture here, the Bible says that the land was covered with these frogs. And we look at that and we understand that this is a very unpleasant time for Pharaoh and his people in the land of Egypt. Uh, like I said, you think of opening your oven or opening your bathroom cabinet and uh, there being frogs jumping out on you. Or going to lay in your bed and there's frogs in your, hundreds of frogs in your bed. Or you're sitting down on the toilet and there's frogs in the toilet. They're everywhere. And the Bible says that if you get to verse number 8, and I want to kind of focus on verse number 8 through 10 tonight. But look at verse number 8. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. He's, he's sick of these frogs. He's done with them. He says, I, I and entreat, for, to entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they, will do, they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Number one, this is by way of introduction, we see Pharaoh's request tonight. We see that they, they, they had been living with these frogs. It's miserable, just like there's times our power went out last summer for like nine and a half hours. And it was like 100 degrees in my house. That was miserable. 
You don't like, the, we, we've gotten used to these pleasures of life and when our heat goes out or our air goes out or our, or our water quits running and you, you know, we all know how it goes. You go and your power's been off and you go and flip a light switch on out of habit. We are blessed with the privileges that we have, but sometimes when we lose those privileges because we're used to them, it's aggravating. And it's an inconvenience, but this here is far above inconvenience. This is a, a disaster in the land of Egypt. And, and Pharaoh got to a point where he said, I need you to get God to get rid of these frogs out of my place because I can't live with them anymore. We see not only Pharaoh's request, but we see Moses' offer. You look at verse number 9, it says, And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when, I, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thy houses that they may remain in the river only? So we see that Pharaoh said, I'm done with them. I need them gone. When can you come and get God to get rid of them for me? And Moses got to, went to Pharaoh and said, When do you want me to get rid of them? If you're so, so uh, tired of them and you're so sick of them being here and they're such a disaster, when do you want me to get rid of them for you? And you look at verse number 10 and the Bible says, And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. We see Pharaoh's request. Get rid of these frogs. Moses' offer. We see, when do you want us to get, when do you want me to go to God and ask him to get rid of these? And we see Pharaoh's response is tomorrow. If I could preach on a thought just for a minute tonight, it would simply be this. One more night with the frogs. One more night with the frogs. We look through our scripture, and I know this is a simple thought. It may be a comical title tonight, but when we look at this, and you can look, you, you look at our scripture, and you can look at verse number 8 and verse number 9 and verse number 10, and you can see that uh, there was a very dumb decision on Pharaoh's uh, part to say, hey, tomorrow, you, this is a miserable trouble. This is a miserable time in our lives. This is a miserable time in our land. And you were just given the opportunity to get rid of them, but you said tomorrow. Now, I, I, I will say that anybody in here that has any sense, if you're going through something hard in your life, if you were given an exit, you'd probably take it, right? Now, it's not hard to see that Pharaoh's a dummy right here when he says, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it for just one more day. Well, let's do it tomorrow. But like I said, that is a, uh, something that we all, you think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in our Bibles. God, they were thrown into that fiery furnace, and it was heated seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. And they were thrown in there, and they were not, their clothes weren't even singed. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of God. But if you look at that story, their, 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 their bondage was loosed, the Bible said. But did you know that they were in that time of fire, but they didn't look for an exit? They were looking for a place where Jesus was. They would have rather been in that fire with Jesus than out of the fire without Him. And I'm thankful that the Lord will take care of us in our troubled times, but because of our human flesh, if we were given an exit, we're most of the time going to take it because we don't like hard times. I don't like sickness if you were to come to me tonight, and there's several people on our prayer list, the one I just mentioned a minute ago, the 14-year-old that has cancer, if that 14-year-old had an had a option, hey, do you, we will get rid of your cancer right now if you want it. He's going to take it, right? If you have a car wreck and you are severely injured and God gave you the opportunity to reverse it, you take it. 
You have financial troubles and God gives you a way out. You're going to take it. It's not hard to understand tonight by the word of God that um, Pharaoh made a very dumb decision. But I want to focus on three things tonight that we may not think about. Oh, we know that Pharaoh made a, a, a bad decision and he made him and his family and his land wait one more full day in this devastation because of his pride. I got three points tonight. I'm going to preach them like lightning fast and I'm going to hit, the, I'm going to hit it and we'll get out of the way and I'm going to take the plane off and land it. But we look at the story and we see Pharaoh... Uh, made this bad decision, why would, you, why would you want to spend one more night in this misery? And we know that as, uh, as we look around, we, like I said, we know that it was not a smart idea. But there is people in our church house today and Sunday and Sunday night in revival that God's given them a way out. And it's always tomorrow. I have been preaching the Word of God. This next year will be 10 years. And I, I don't claim to know much, but I will say this. I have watched me, per, person after person after person after person God call. And you can see it on their face. You can see the conviction and the grip on the back of the pew that God is calling them to salvation. God is calling them out of their sin. God is calling them unto surrender. And we see, I've seen that throughout the whole my whole life and especially in the past upcoming 10 years of ministry and it is it is devastating that some people will hear the gospel they'll turn out that door and say I'll do it later I got three points that I want to preach on one more night with the frogs tonight number one we see that a lot of times we get the opportunity of salvation but it's always tomorrow we look at our story, we look at the place that God has put Egypt and Pharaoh in due to his negligence against the children of Israel. His rebellion against God. I would consider this to be a place of torture and devastation because of all these plagues. And we understand that Pharaoh was a prideful man. He thought he was God. He thought he was up high and mighty. And we understand that he wasn't because the Bible says from, uh, I believe it is, Exodus chapter 4, all the way through the rest of the book, every few verses, the phrase, I am the Lord, is stated in our scripture. And you know why God does that? God does not only do that to wake Egypt and Pharaoh up, but He does that to wake the children of Israel and Moses up. He does that for His people. He does that for the people who are not His people. He wants people to know who He is. God is the Lord. But as we look, God has given a place in... Uh, Pharaoh's life where there's devastation and there's trouble and there's a problem in his life. And we see in verse number 8 that Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and he says, Entreat for me. Entreat, uh, entreat the, the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me. Pray to the Lord and ask him, please get rid of these frogs. I can't take it anymore. Pharaoh knew that he needed someone higher than himself to fix his problem. How true it is, it is in our lives that we have a problem. We were conceived in sin and I, I, I'm not, y'all can get offended at me if you want to, but my baby is a precious miracle of God. But that baby was conceived in sin. That baby was born in sin. That baby is on her way to a place called hell because of her sin. The Bible says that she was born dead because of her sin. 
And one of these days when she reaches that age of understanding, she will have to make a decision to fix her problem. Just like I had to, just like you had to. There is a day that is coming in each of our lives that we have to choose salvation or choose one more night with the frogs. The Bible says in the book of 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 15, it says, This is a faithful saying and a worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. Tonight, I, I, I don't know where your heart is. I don't know you. The only person who knows that if you are saved uh, truly is you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am thankful. And I want you to think about this. God chose a man, which was his only begotten son, sent him to this earth to live 33 and a half years on this earth, 30 years in obscurity and three and a half years of public ministry, and he came to die on an old rugged cross. He was bruised, beaten, despised, rejected for you and I. And aren't you glad that Jesus on the day he was crucified said, I'm going to save the sins of the whole world, but I'll do it tomorrow. Because we all know that how that works. We'll say, I'll get saved tomorrow. And then tomorrow it's, oh, I'll get saved the next day. And it gets pushed off and it gets pushed off and it gets pushed off. Aren't you glad tonight that Jesus Christ didn't push you and I off? He is the Savior who came and He can finish the work that we, you and I could never do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I'm thankful tonight that because of that Savior, because of that cross, because of that blood, that I don't have to go to hell tonight. But there are some people who may be sitting in here tonight. There's maybe people who will listen to the live stream or last Sunday or this coming Sunday that are on their way to the, a place called hell. And God is nudging their heart and God is convicting their hearts. And they're going to cling onto the back of that pew and tell God, I'll do it, but I'll do it tomorrow. Salvation is a free gift from God tonight. And I am thankful for it. We see here that God gave Pharaoh a sense of salvation here. He gave him an opportunity to, to choose his, the time of his salvation. Do you want so When do you want it here? And he said, tomorrow, I'll, I'll take it, but I'll take it tomorrow. Like I said, Jesus came to this earth, and he did it all for us. But sometimes we find ourselves pushing him off till tomorrow. We see that God gave a sense of salvation for Pharaoh, but we see that sometimes we look at the aspect of sin tonight. Why was Pharaoh and Egypt in the mess that they were in in the first place? Pharaoh thought he was higher than God. He thought he was higher than God's people. And his mistakes got him in that mess. You know, we say, how do you know, we, how do you know that Pharaoh got himself and he sinned against God? Well, it's very clear. You look at Genesis 41, 39. The Bible says, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We look back at Genesis chapter number 41 and we know that the, the previous Pharaoh or the previous king of Egypt uh, was uh, familiar with Israel, was familiar. We know Joseph was his interpreter. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 41, verse number 39, it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art, Thou shalt be over mine house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only 
in the house. So only in the throne will I be greater than thou. He understood that Joseph was God's man. He understood that Joseph was an instrument that God used to help interpret the dreams that he was going to. And Pharaoh and Joseph, jo- he put Joseph over every, all the affairs of Pharaoh's house. But we see that God gave uh, Pharaoh, this new Pharaoh, uh, got, he took Joseph away. And we see that the new Pharaoh here had no idea who uh, Joseph was, but God gave Pharaoh, this new Pharaoh, the one who had done all this sin against God. He, he turned his back on God. He turned his back on the things of God. And the Bible says that uh, they, they, God sent these pestilences, ten things, to just, just, just to devastate them. Uh, but God gave Pharaoh a way out of this punishment for his sin. But Pharaoh had so much pride that he said, Tomorrow. You know, there's times in our life, and I don't, just because God may do stuff to us, and I've heard so plenty of times God will do something to a family, God will uh, allow something to happen to someone's child or, or something, and the first instinct is, what did you do to make God mad? And that's not always the case. Let me tell you something. God has different ways of teaching His children, but there are some times when God punishes us for our sin. There's every sin that we do, knowingly, God will punish us if you are His child. But God gave Pharaoh a way out here. He gave, sent Moses unto him and said, well, Here, we're giving you this opportunity to get rid of them. But I don't know how, what's going on in your life or uh, what's going on around you or what you may be having in your secret place in your life or what sin you may be harboring in your life. But I will say this, God has given a way out. You know, I've, I've dealt with things in my life. When I was a young teenager, there was some stuff that I dealt with very, very, very hard. And you know, there's, as a Christian, uh, we understand the Bible. We know that uh, God will forgive us. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But sometimes we uh, get a little... Uh, hard and we may have a a little pet sin in our life that we've been holding on to and God has given us the opportunity to get rid of that thing and give us the opportunity to be forgiven and to be a a weight to be lifted up off of us and we always say I'm going to get rid of my sin but I'm going to get rid of it tomorrow we also see the aspect of surrender tonight We see that God has given us a way out for salvation. God has given us a way out of our sin, but God has given us a way in to surrender. That pride that Pharaoh had kept in his heart, it kept him from giving in to God. (coughs) We know by the word of God that uh, there was these ten plagues that God's people, before God's people were freed, and he thought... Uh, Pharaoh thought that he was the highest of the high. Pharaoh was given an opportunity to be freed from the curse of these frogs, but he wanted one more night before he surrendered. And you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to park right here, and I'm going to just give it all the rest of it, and I'm going to be done. We're living in a day where it is getting harder and harder and harder to get people to participate in the things of God. 
As we go, and I've been, like I said, this next year will be 10 years in the ministry. And I, as the, just in the past 10 years, uh, 10 years ago when I started in the preaching ministry, you'd go to a youth rally and there'd be five, six, seven hundred people. They'd set chairs out. But now, the last youth rally I went to, there was 65 people. The devil has gotten in the minds of our youth. The devil has gotten in the minds of our college. The devil has gotten in the minds of our middle-aged and senior adults saying, oh, we've been doing this for so long. We could, it's all right if we just take a break. And the devil has gotten in our minds. We've got sin in our lives. We have had a lack of what? Surrender in the life of the children of God. And I'm going to tell you tonight that if we ever want to move forward with the things of God, if you ever want to get blessed by the things of God, if you ever want to get out of your times of trouble with victory, like I said, we look through the, uh, Psalm 46, it says to be still and know that I am God. We need to trust God in our times of trouble. But sometimes when we go through these things, we love and we cling to these things, the, the, the sin, or we cling to these uh, the, the, the thoughts of having to give our lives up. We hear that one a lot. We, you know, we we go through the youth ministry or college or adult ministry. There's a lot of people who think that when you give your life to Christ and you get saved, your life is over. But I've got news for you. Your life is just beginning. And I'm telling you tonight that God may be on your, God may be on your road tonight. He's maybe saying, hey, tonight is your night to get saved. You're on your way to hell. And you're over here contemplating if you should do it or not. There should be no contemplating. You should do it tonight. But as we look at our scripture, there's that sometimes we, we tell God we'll get saved tomorrow or we'll tell God we'll get rid of our sin tomorrow or we'll tell God we'll surrender to Him tomorrow. But I want to read one verse to you tonight. And that's none other than the book of James 4.14. The Bible says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? Even It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You may be here tonight, and I'm going to preach just for just. I'm going to preach hard, and I'm going to be done. It's ten, eight minutes till. You may be here tonight, and you say, "Hey, I'm not saved. I know I'm not saved. I know how to get saved. I know I need to get saved. But I, I, I've got time. I'm young, or I'm I'm healthy, and I, I I have time. I'll do it when the time's convenient." Did y'all hear what the Bible said in James four fourteen? We don't know what's on tomorrow. And as I look at our scripture, and you know I've seen just this year, last year I saw one of the kids that was in the youth group under me, 17 years old, was singing on church on a Sunday morning, turned her back on God, and rolled her car on Monday and God killed her. I have seen people, we've seen people in this church where God has done... Well, not all, God has done things in their life, whether it's sickness or, or death or loss, whatever the case may be, is it's not, it is very clear that we don't know what tomorrow holds. And I'll say this, God came down from heaven, and like I, I'll say it again, there's never enough Jesus in a message, right? Amen. Jesus came and died for you and I, so we don't have to go to hell. But yet, for some reason, it's a free gift. For some reason, we feel like we just we'll do it tomorrow. I don't have all the money in the world. I don't have the nicest things in the world. I don't know everything. I don't have the highest education. But I ran from God for almost three years for salvation. And looking back, God could have taken me out of here any time in those three years. 
And I'm thankful tonight that because of the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, He kept me here and He saved my worthless, rotten, dirty soul so I could come to before you tonight and tell you that it's not worth waiting until tomorrow. You may be struggling with uh, situations. You may be struggling with uh, hidden secrets, pornography. I don't know what it is. And I'm going to tell you, pornography is wrong. You may be struggling with anger. You may be struggling with bitterness. You may be struggling with depression. And you may be struggling with worry, whatever the case may be. And God's been saying, tonight's the night to get it right. Tonight's the night to get rid of all that mess. Quit walking around life with an elephant on your shoulder. It's time to come lay it down on the altar and give it to me. But you're going to come in here. You're going to listen to the Word of God. You're going to pick your stuff up. Walk right out the back door and tote your stuff through life some more. I want our church to succeed. Our church has succeeded because Christ is the head of it. But tonight I want you to I want to, I want you to ask yourself. Am I saved? The Bible says in the book of Titus chapter number 3 verse number 5 it says, "Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us." And I'm thankful that he saved me, but if you can't say he saved you, tonight is the night. Don't spend one more night with the frogs. They'll be licking in your ears while you're sleeping. They'll be in your food, eating your food, licking all over your food, uh, defecating on your food, ruining your life. The quicker you get out from underneath the frogs, the quicker you can have a better life. And listen, I, throughout my ministry, I've seen God save people. I've seen God change people. I've God seen God, I have watched God uh, get sin out of people's life. And like I said, I don't know what you're dealing with. But if you're lost, you need to get saved. If you've got sin in your life, tonight is the night to lay it on this old-fashioned altar and give your life to Him. It's surrender. That's all it is. I, I believe, and I, I just thought of this. There's been several messages preached over the last month or so on surrender and prayer. And you know, I believe that if God's people would truly surrender, He'd blow the roof off this place. We're blessed. Listen, there's people, there's churches that I've been to, there's a church I preached at, and I guess it was August. We went to Whiteville, which is about a two-hour drive from here, and I preached at Whiteville. And I rolled in, and the guy said he wanted me to preach uh, Sunday morning, and then we'd eat, and he wanted me to preach right after we ate. And he said Sunday school would be at 10. I rolled in at 10, like 10 till 10 on a Sunday morning, and 10 minutes went by, nobody was there. 20 minutes went by, nobody was there. It was 25 minutes after 10, the pastor rolled. And, you know, after we had started, full attendance was six people. We are a blessed body of believers. We just spent more money on getting new carpet and pews than a lot of churches make in five years. And I'm not saying that to brag on us because we're just people. I'm here to brag on Christ. 
But you know what? why a lot of the churches are struggling? You know why a lot of churches aren't going anywhere? It's because there's a lack of people surrendering to salvation. There's a lack of people wanting to get rid of their sin. There's a lack of surrender in general for the things of God. And I'll tell you tonight, I don't care if you just surrendered Sunday. We're sinners. And we mess up every single day. I believe that there's, uh, that's being uh, conformed to the image of Christ is a daily thing that the child of God should strive for and want to be closer to God. Because if you ever get to a place where you feel like you're close enough, your relationship with God will 180 and go back to the opposite direction. If I was to quit trying with my relationship with Savannah, sooner or later we're going to find ourselves a hundred miles apart and not understand what's going on and wonder why, what happened. And all that happened was we just quit trying. Tonight we see there's a need for salvation. That's everywhere we look. We need to be that witness, by the way, too. There's a lot of people that we know that's on our prayer list. And um, like I said, Savannah's coming to the piano now. But we need to surrender for God. And like I said, I, I, I've, but other than uh, what I spoke very vaguely the other night at our prayer meeting with our college on this same subject, I've never preached this anywhere and I may never preach it again. But if your heart and you are harboring sin or you're, you're running from God for salvation or God's been trying to call you, so don't be like Moses, by the way. Moses was a great man of God. He ended up doing great things for God. But it took God seven times to get him to wake up. The Bible says on that seventh time that God's anger was kindled against Moses. And that's when Moses woke up. Don't ever get to a place where you turn God away and you make so many excuses why you won't want to get saved, why you can't get rid of that sin, why you can't surrender because you feel like you can't. As Pastor Brian said, stood before this pulpit Sunday morning and used his life verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And I believe, like I said, I'm a firm believer that if God's people would get on an altar and surrender their life, and I'm not just saying surrender some, and surrender, oh, I'll give you my finances, but I'm not going to give you my schedule. Or I'll give you my schedule, but I'm not going to give you my finances. I'm not going to give you my time, but I'll give you uh, my church, I'll, my faithfulness to church. I'll give you my time, but I'm not going to give you this or that or this. God wants every bit of you. And like I said, I've had hard times, just like everybody else. The Bible says in Job 14:1 that man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you lived more than a week, you've probably experienced some, some trouble. Pharaoh was dealing with trouble in his life because of his own mess-ups. But God gave him a way out. And he said, tomorrow. You may be dealing with trouble because of your own mess-ups. You may be dealing with trouble because God's testing you. You may have harbored sin. God's given you an out tonight. To get things right, to surrender to Him, to get saved. Whosoever will. We're standing all over the house tonight and I'm thankful for the Bible. I don't know what you've got going on in your life, but whatever it is, don't spend one more night with the frogs.
Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. 
Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.